following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30 for February 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? Swing! 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 I'm good. I'm good. See, I was going to save some of that, but but it's all good. <laughs> I, I think it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, you know what? I got to lead in with this. I just have to. So I was like, all right, let's go for it. <laughs> well, I'm going to pretend like I don't know what the movie is for this month yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to point out that the the show notes for this evening's conversation are quite entertaining in certain sections that I made me laugh. So I was like, all right, let's just, let's rock and roll with this. Well, hopefully if they're entertaining you right now, it makes for an entertaining show on the whole. <laughs> yes. I'm go- I'm going for high ratings on iTunes. I want to get movie history high That's rankings. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, Jason was telling me the other day that um, we've been doing like halfway decent in the UK charts. Like, <laughs> Which, you know, probably means like something like top 200 or so in there. <laughs> like, oh, these silly Americans. Yeah, nobody in the USA is, is, you know, there's just, we're too crammed in this market. But yeah. the international market likes us. You really <laughs> like us. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so, um, you know, all things aside, I thought we'd um, kind of jump a little bit into uh, what's going on in the current box office Um just because I felt like, you know, uh, Spider-Man, we were chatting a little bit about it in December and it's been um, still doing its thing, you know, and it's kind of fun to be, you know, watching a movie again that's, um, you know, at the top of, of the ratings, you know, and, and breaking records. And it just feels unusual for the past several years. And I know you were, you know, texting me the other day and, and we, were, we were both like jonesing for that movie to be out on like Blu-ray or, or digital or something because it's just kind of dying to watch it again. And yeah. Um, can't kind of bring myself to get back to the theater for it again. Um, but I really do want to, yeah, um, you see know, it over again, it's funny you say that. Cause a lot of times in, in the past when let's say 
you go see a movie and you love it so much. And it's like an early when it first hits the box office. Then you go back a few weeks later, the audience doesn't always have the same energy as the first time. And it feels sort of less than, than the, for, for me anyway, like, I remember going to see Batman 89 the day it came out with my mom and everybody losing their mind. And then like a month later, we went back and took my dad and the audience had probably already, for the most part, all seen it once. And the energy wasn't the same. And I was like, how are they not going crazy over this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Seven-year-old me. But yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about that thought, too, is that probably for a good chunk of that audience – it is people seeing it for the first time, but I think to your point, probably in the movie going world, the first two weeks are like the diehard, like really yeah. excitable, like really want to see it. People who are going to have that bigger reaction. Um, I was trying to even think because I, you know, I saw Spider-Man a little bit um, later, maybe two weeks two after week I did Mark, something like that, two weeks and change. And even then, like the energy level wasn't quite what I was expecting or like, you know, remembering from things like Endgame and Infinity War. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, people definitely got excited at some of the bigger parts, but um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting observation. Um, Yeah, I remember Endgame when when Cap picks up that Nolnir, (laughs) people's heads explode. I knew it! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great because like Thor says the same line. (laughs) I knew it. Um, which is so great because it's like he's like channeling the fans. I love yes. the, the turn that that character made, but that's a whole other yeah, that's all conversation. Other <laughs> so I thought it'd be interesting just to check back in now, kind of like a month or so later, and sort of see where Spider Man was in the in the you know all time kind of charts. So I think when we last left off, it was somewhere around number six. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, domestically, it's now moved into the number four spot. I heard, yeah. And it's yeah. just behind Avatar. It's really sneaking up on it. And believe me, it's still going. Like, uh, you know, like this weekend alone, it ended up grossing, I think, like five-ish million on Saturday. And, you know, like I think like another two or three on like Friday and Sunday each Crazy. or something. Um, so it's definitely still earning. Um Avatar at this point in the domestic chart sits at 760 million. Spider-Man right now is at 749 million. So just wow. 11 million short. So that's like another week for it to tie up with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if it keeps going the way it has been. So um, that could very soon become yet another one that's past Avatar to take essentially the bronze medal, feeling the Olympics here mm. this past week, um, but take the bronze Dark. medal. Um, I don't know if it's going to have steam to get all the way to no, the end game number of 858, um, but I, I can see it replacing Avatar pretty soon. What's two? Is two Infinity War? or is- So number one, again, is um, Force Awakens. Oh, right. Number Force two Awakens. is Endgame. And then number three currently is Avatar. So oh, okay. Spider-Man is knocking on its door. On the list currently, um, Infinity War is at number six and Black Panther is at number five. Wow. Um, I, I, forgot so, yeah. that, that I forgot that Force Awakens is the top one domestically. Now, here's another fun thing as far as big numbers go. Um, again, that's just domestic. Worldwide, at the current moment, Spider-Man No Way Home is sitting at $1.775 billion total. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's on a $1 billion, $27 million uh, 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 foreign um, count right now. So 
Yowzers. Yowzers. <laughs> Doing pretty good, right? Yeah, um, seriously. Which on the all-time worldwide chart puts that at number six right now. Wow. Um, which is just below Avengers Infinity War and just above Jurassic World. Crazy. Um, now, again, that's interesting because um, the foreign numbers um, in some of the cases of the Avengers movies – have actually bumped them up a fair bit higher. So for Spider-Man to catch up to the number five spot, Infinity War, like I said, right now that's at 1.775 billion. It needs to get to 2 billion 48 million to catch up to the number five spot. So, wow. yeah. So again, uh, foreign markets like the Avengers movies, you know, yeah, I guess so. Um, so, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. And again, like that's the one where Avatar still reigns supreme at, at 2.8 billion. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, huge numbers. And even things like, I mean, Endgame is number two on that list, but Titanic's still up there at number three on that list. So no kidding. The James Cameron movies have pull worldwide for sure. <laughs> Apparently. Jeez. Yes. Wild. So, uh, what's new and, and new to you? You got, uh, I got anything? one. I uh, got you know what's one. funny is I feel like this new and new to you has become such a recurring thing we might as well just break it off and make it our, its own segment. Right? You know, like we, we, I've always sort of treated it as part of the, uh, the intro segment, but man, I need to like get a little jingle and, and make it <laughs> its own thing. We do it week after week now. I like doing it too. It's kind of fun. Um, so I am a big, uh, James Bond fan. I really like James Bond. Uh, people are mixed about the Daniel Craig movies other than Casino Royale. I really like them, except for Quantum of Solace. I'm sort of meh on, but I have been dying, dying, dying to see uh, No Time to Die. And and I was a little bit anxious about it because I'm like, it's really long. Like, it's almost three hours long, which is long for a Bond movie. But I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It ties up so many loose ends. There's so many different nuances and variables that happen in the movie. Uh, it's really fun, but it's also super dramatic. And it's probably the most Bondish kind of movie of the Daniel Craig films. Just like, you know, with gadgets and what have you. And just see, so- I'm glad to hear that because, like, you and I were chatting a little bit about this the other day. And like I said, I haven't seen it yet. And I probably will at some point because I've always been a a Bond person myself, but to, to sort of the point you were saying, I have been a little more lukewarm on the Daniel Craig series overall than the older Bonds. You know, like I, um, for better or worse, like my beginner Bond was uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, and I Golden was a, Eye. Yeah, huge GoldenEye fan. Played that game to death. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like they kind of fizzled as they went. You know, I think No Time to Die, I think was uh, that's the one with like the like the big like laser from space or something like that. Right? You're, you're, you're thinking of that's No Time to Die is the, is the most recent Daniel Craig. I'm sorry. Um, uh, what is the name of that one? The, Whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, as they kept going, they they sort of fizzled. The Denise for Richards me. one. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, I, I feel like none of them were quite as good as as that was. And then, as I started getting older, 
I kind of started going back, you know, especially we've talked about it on here before that like James Bond would very often pop up on like Sunday afternoon movies, like, Mm -hmm. you know, on the Long Island area. Um, So I started seeing things like Moonraker and the man with the golden gun and like all the, you know, oldies and goodies. Um, And so then I, I became quite a fan of the older ones. The funny thing then is when you get to the Daniel Craig one, and, and I, I do like those movies. Like, don't get me wrong. I really genuinely do. I think Casino Royale is the strongest of them. And then they kind of like are a little, you know, varying from there. Um, but the funny thing for me is when it hit those movies, and I remember like when I saw Casino Royale, I'm like, this is awesome. Like the action in this is great. And like, yeah. it was like really cool. But then, like, as I started thinking about it more and more, I was like, this kind of isn't James Bond for me. Like, it's like, it's too gritty. Like, he's too, like, kind of, like, not, like, 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 it sounds so dumb, but, like, I really like that, like, sophisticated, like, guy in the suit. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense because everybody would know who James Bond is, but he's always like, Bond, James Bond, you know? And, like, that's kind of, like, missing, you know, in, like, the newer movies for me. Um, and then especially some of the really over the top gadgetry and like mm-hmm. pageantry of what they're doing and like the really silly, I know they have like in some of the newer movies, like, like was Jinx, um, a Daniel Craig character? No, or was that, that, that was Brosnan? a Pierce Brosnan one. That was, See, I'm, uh, I'm mixing the, the, the end of that, that, that thing. That there. was the Billy Barry one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like it just like it just started feeling decidedly a little unbondish for me, even though some of the more recent ones have basically been rebooting old villains. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but uh, again, like I said, I, I don't dislike them. And you and I were chatting about this the other day. But what popped up in the meantime for me that has become kind of a replacement Bond series, which I thought I was going to hate when I saw the first trailers for Like I saw the very first trailers. I was like, this looks like garbage. I have no interest in this. And then I caught it like on like HBO or something a couple of years later after it had first come out was uh, Kingsman. And mm. oh my God, I love those, <laughs> those movies again, first one, much more so than the second one. And I am looking really forward to uh, the new one that's coming out. That's like the prequel, like the Kingsman. Yeah. Um, but like I said, those felt very like they were filling that like more kind of over the top sort of Bond movie for me. The less funny enough to say, even though they have like, you know, a lot of insane things happening in these newer ones, the slightly more realistic feeling Bonds. But I'm really happy to hear you say that it's got a little bit more of like the Q gadgetry and, and things like that. Going yeah. On. I, and one thing that's always been kind of a, a bother for real Bond fans is the fact that uh Money Penny and Q are barely in the movies, and they play a significant role in this particular movie. Um, and they're they're fun. They have a good kind of you know relationship and rapport with Daniel Craig. The thing is, the only real real problem with this movie is, and, and it's no fault of Rami Malek because he is terrifying in this movie. Absolutely he's terrifying. He's an awesome actor. Yeah. He's amazing at everything. He's all absolutely terrifying, but he's got about eight minutes of screen time in a nearly three-hour movie. Wow, is that it? Yeah, he's barely in the movie. Oh, what a shame. And every scene that he's in, he steals 100%. Like, yeah. he's that good in it, but he's not really in the movie that much, which is kind of a shame. And he plays 
the ultimate bad. Like, I mean, Javier Bardem was a little bit like that too in the, I forget which one he was in, but like his character was like off screen quite a lot of that movie too. I, I don't know that it was eight minutes, but like, like it was probably like 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of whatever the rest of the movie was. Yeah. But I mean, you know, some Bond villains are in, as I think back are kind of like that, but it is a bummer to, to only see him for such a short time. Cause he is such a cool actor. And the, I will tell you this though, and this is the thing that's, I don't want to spoil anything. Cause I'm not going to, the ending is incredibly surprising. Like, <laughs> I was shocked by the ending and I was like, they did that? No, <laughs> no way. What, what? No, no, no. <laughs> and I, I, I was shocked by it, but it's, it's really good. I'll tell you the other funny thing. Three hours long, nearly. The other funny thing with me too, with Daniel Craig is I think I started getting a little wishy-washy on him when he started kind of repeatedly being like, oh, I'm never doing another Bond movie again. You couldn't pay me to do that. And then pfft, they'd pay him to do it and he'd show <laughs> up and do it. And like, I think that's happened like twice now. And I'm like, I kind of hate that. You know, like it, the same thing I had with um, all the actors from uh, the new Star Wars trilogy that like I realized that like those movies didn't go over well, like with the general movie going audience and they sort of all three of them, like Daisy Ridley and, and Oscar Isaac and um, what's his face all took that to heart. But like, what, what's a bummer is they kind of all like dump on it now. And I'm like, come on, you know, like I hate when that happens with actors. Like, and that's what was bothering me with Daniel Craig is he was sort of like, I'll never do this again. Like it's, it's too physical and I don't like it. And, and I'm done with the character. And then, then he'd be back. And it's just like, well now like you're not selling me off. <laughs> <laughs> seeing another movie with you in it with this. And it's funny you say that, you know, yes. John Daniel, Boyega, by the way, I was yes. like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to inter- interrupt you and Thank correct you. you yes. But yes, but, you know, he's the worst of the bunch too, is the funny part with that. Like he's oh, the bad mouths at the most. And, and he's probably like the worst actor of the lot. What, what's sad is like all of those three actors did that. Daniel Craig did do that for a few of the Bond movies Christian Bale did that for the Batman movies. And I'm like, these are the roles that made your career. Yeah. Like no one would know who you are if you didn't play these roles. I can't ever tell like if it's a thing, like let's just say like in the Daniel Craig side of things, if he's doing that because he's trying to position himself just to make more money. Cause then he's like putting it on record that he doesn't want to come back until they pay some higher amount. The other ones, like, you know, the John Boyegas and the Daisy Ridleys of the world, I almost get the impression that they worry they're going to be typecast as that sort of character oh, coming yeah. out of it. Oh, that's and so then sure. they're trying to, like, distance themselves from that. But it is, like, it's such a double edge. And I realize this happens a lot in Hollywood that, like, somebody, you know, starts a career off like that in a big, bad way and then kind of doesn't get to go on and do other things because they only want to stick them in sci-fi or whatever. Mm. So I get that. But, like, it is a bummer when they talk down about those things. But I digress. So here I have a, a fun question for you then. So sure. uh, Daniel Craig is probably at the end of these things unless, like, somehow the whole history repeats and it's like, pay me more and he shows up again. But I'm thinking that's not going to happen. So – well, the I don't. Next- I, I it's funny you say that because <laughs> at the very end, end, end of the credits, it says James Bond will be back, or da- James Bond will return. Well, they always do that. Like that always <laughs> happens. Like that's like the James Bond thing. But that's my question. James Bond will return. 
Mm-hmm. Who's your next James Bond? Henry Cavill. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, like I could see that a bit. Like uh, he was in that um, movie. Uh, what was it? Was the it one, Mission Impossible? No. Well, he was or, in Mission Impossible. Yes, where he was kind of like teamed up, kind of like against. He was sort yeah. of like a double agent or something. Yeah, like he, he was a bad guy in in one of the uh, uh, Mission Impossible movies, but he was also in that uh, that movie with Army Hammer. Uh, what the heck? Oh movie? yeah, I know the one you mean. I can't think of what it's uh, called. The Man from Uncle. Yes. Yeah, I could definitely see him taking on a role like that. And you know, the reason why I say this is I know everybody would like to see Idris Elba (laughs) play Bond. Here's the problem with that. And the only problem with it is, and I think Idris is an amazing actor. It would be so cool to see him as Bond. But think of it this way. He might only be able to have enough in the tank it to be this physical for maybe a trilogy you know a trilogy is like nine years of films and he's already 49 years old so that would put him into his 60s playing bond (laughs) yeah see here's the funny thing and and idris is kind of my answer and the reason i have to stick with him is that i was saying idris when they were talking about who's going to be bond and daniel craig hadn't been announced like that was the guy i was hoping for back then um, he's so cool in, in stuff like Luther, and I, I, I think you'd just be such a fun, suave return to that sort of like tuxedo wearing right. version. My problem is I just don't know if they're going to go in that direction. You know what I mean? Like I just can't tell if they are going to take the character and continue on in the Daniel Craig sort of more like parkour parkour like like you know more um like like you know grizzled kind of um battering ram style of bond versus like the more suave like, like you know like not doesn't really make sense but he's gonna like go like smooth talk himself into like the enemy's lair sort of sort of bond of of yesterday um I th- it's. I think that's what's kind of funny for me is I wish it would almost go back to something like that. Um, uh, honestly, and you're going to think I'm weird when I say this, but I'd like to see Andrew Garfield if they were to go to like a younger Bond. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> he could be suave and he could be debonair, but also do action and... You know, if he can't get another Spider-Man movie, he could be Bond. Yeah, I mean, I think he's good, like, on on that. I mean, like, you know, to to pull somebody again, and I, I thought he was going to be hot garbage, but it seems like they're not going to be using him again necessarily. I'd almost like to see Taron Edgerton come back, you know, the, the main character of Kingsman, and, mm-hmm. and maybe do that role if they're going to go like that youngish route. And, I you know, I think that might be a fun exploration. I don't know that they've ever really done – the true like young James Bond, like in his first couple of missions sort of thing. I I don't know what they're going to do with the series. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they've tackled old James Bond at the end of his career. Right. They've certainly tackled James Bond, just handling missions in the middle of his, of, uh, you know, like one thing after another, after another. Um, and so Casino Royale does sort of to go, you know, C- Casino Royale does sort of show like his first mission before he becomes a double O. Yeah. And, you know, but I'd love to see even before that, like how he builds up to that point as a movie, 
I don't know. Who knows? Or they just fully reboot it and forget that everything else ever happened. Who knows? Yeah. No? There was also talks too, and I, again, I'm probably going to screw this up because I'm just blanking, unfortunately. I swear to God, people, like, I hope you're enjoying this podcast because I honestly think I'm coming with, like, early onset Alzheimer's. I, like, cannot remember the names of, like, people and movies and things like that anymore, and it's really bothering me because I used to be pretty encyclopedic about this stuff. Um, but, uh, the, I think it was the Bond movie either before this newest one or the, the one before that, like either, um, Spectre or Skyfall. Yeah. It might've been Skyfall. The, the one Skyfall is great. The Spectre sort of pairs up with him a little bit. They're on the train. Oh, which one is that? And like, they were, they were sort of talking like she almost might be the new Bond. Like they were sort of making it out. Like she was like a, like a double O in training. Well, um, I will, I will tell you, do you want any kind of spoiler for this movie? Um, I mean, you basically just did. <laughs> I didn't, no, I didn't say it. No, no, no. I, di- I didn't say what I'll, 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 I'll take the spoiler, but let me throw our little normal thing in here. Like, Again, spoiler incoming, so if you haven't seen the movie, feel free to jump ahead a minute or two, I guess. So Bond retires toward the beginning of this movie as a double O. There's a new double O seven when he's called back into action. Interesting. Do they and have a different name out of curiosity? Yeah, it's a di- to- like a, a because one of the funny things that's been the, like like and, in and the they, Bond lore forever yeah. is like they essentially kept ta- like people were like, all right, so you have like Doctor Who, and that it's the same guy, but he changes like every so often he gets too injured, he essentially quasi quote unquote dies and regenerates and becomes a new Doctor Who. So there was kind of an ongoing theory that because there's always a 007 James Bond that's been played by several different people that essentially what happens is like when one of the 007s dies or retires, somebody takes over not only the designation 007, but also takes on the name of James Bond and the James Bond is just like a made up code mm-hmm. name for that spy then, you know? So I guess that throws that out the window. <laughs> that's been a fan theory for decades. <laughs> that's also plays on the theory that, Sean Connery plays James Bond in The Rock as a different person. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, they sort of explain that, like, the double O, whatever the number is attached to the double O, is your rank, and anybody could carry the number depending on your rank and whatever. In now, what does that mean? Like, is the rank. Higher because you know if you go back to and here's where my encyclopedic so, come back. So Goldeneye Trevelyan's yeah. 009. 006. Six? Six. Did I just totally put my foot in my mouth? Yes. <laughs> yes. His friend in Goldeneye is six and and Bond is seven. I'm almost a hundred percent. You're hundred percent right. Well damn it. <laughs> I could have sworn he was nine. Oh well. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so there is somebody else that carries the moniker of 007 in this movie, and he's just known as James Bond without being the 00 anything. Oh, you know where I'm mixing things up? I think 009 is Spectre. That's where I think I'm getting the other number from. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. I got- See, I'm like, like trying to look it back up now because I'm like I know for a fact I knew a 009. So the James Bond wiki 
says 009 was the code name of an unnamed fictional intelligence operative of the 00 section, an ultra covert unit within the secret intelligence service. Um, and it was mentioned in Inspector. Okay. Okay. Well, whatever. Well, anyway, so I'm, we, I'm failing on my on my James Bond. Uh, we could we could do an entire podcast. About well, all so, the James so Bond hell then, who the heck is number one? That's make a movie about 001. <laughs> I yes. don't know who that is. I would love to know. I like you know, and and I thought you know, my theory was that if a if a double O gets killed, they died in action they that number kind of retires with that person that kind of like raises that sort of hole then like when trevelyan died shouldn't have bond become number six <laughs> you think i don't know that's I, a little bit of like uh rewriting history i guess <laughs> yeah who knows that we, again there's like you know 30 some odd bond movies if Man, you, yeah and we just went down the bond rabbit hole here didn't we yeah <laughs> if, believe if you, me folks this was not the intention of this no it was not <laughs> we were just totally spitballing this section there was no uh, i had no idea we were gonna be talking about <laughs> james bond this episode so there you go <laughs> and we can even go back to the beginning to the original casino royale from 1967 if we really want to go crazy and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anywho so let's get back on track. We we talked about what's new and new to me. Do you have any new and new to you? Unfortunately, I don't. I've been watching some older stuff, um, some pretty good uh, older movies like Good Burger. <laughs> Watched that the other day with Zoe. That's always something I can watch again and again. Um, but uh, on, on the newish side of things, I really mostly only have TV. And I'll just take a brief moment to mention uh, the two things that I've been watching and really enjoying at the moment, which one of which, not surprisingly, Book of Boba Fett, um, or maybe I should say Book of Mandalorian. I don't know <laughs> which it is anymore at this point, but uh, that's been really super fun. I think we're going to be putting together something on the Retro Network uh, in the coming days uh, after the show wraps its seventh episode. Um, so I, I, I talked to uh, Jason about possibly doing that with him. So um, hopefully we get that together and you'll, Maybe hear me over on on the uh, Book of Boba Fett roundtable there. That's cool. Um, I, I saw a meme the other day. It said, "It said, it's like that that Drake meme where it's like the yeah, fake yeah, yeah, hand, yeah. and then it's like, ooh, and it's one is Book of Boba Fett. And his hands over his, this Book of Cameos. Hey, hey, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I actually really, really enjoy the show for what it is. I know there's a lot of. Um, there's a big split between the fan base, but I mean, God, with Star Wars in the mm. modern age, when is that never the case? But yeah, um, I really enjoy it, and and I'm 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 just, I'm just happy to be here, you know, <laughs> like watching it. Um, the other one I've been uh, really enjoying, and I had no expectations for it. I was not sure I was even going to watch it, but then I'm like, let me give it a shot. Is Peacemaker? Have you been watching that? I haven't. I have a show that I'm going to talk about too, but I have not. I am waiting for both Book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker to fully fair finish enough, yeah. and just power through straight through. Yeah, I, it, totally fair. Um, I have too much of an addictive personality that when it comes around, I got to wait. And I can't see. I, I can't hang out. I was like, I got to watch it. Um, so I, like every Wednesday night, I've been doing Book of Boba Fett and every Thursday night or maybe sometimes Friday night or whatever where I get a time. I've been watching Peacemaker and I have been very pleasantly surprised. And again, I like James Gunn a lot, so don't get me wrong. And I actually did like the last um, Suicide Squad film, but I, I think I was kind of like, 
okay, it was good, but like I'm not blown out of the water by it as I felt like with a lot of the DC stuff in more recent time. But the show is just a ton of fun. They're just being really goofy, really off the rails. It's almost like parodying, you know, like the DC universe more than Mm -hmm. anything. Um, The opening sequence, like – I don't care if you never want to watch the show, if it's not your thing or whatever. I feel like everybody out there should just like YouTube the opening sequence to Peacemaker. It's like a musical dance number and it's, it is just beautiful to behold. And the song will get so jammed in your head. Um, so I, yeah, definitely worth a watch. I've been really having a fun time with that. It's hilarious. I am dying to watch it. I'm very interested in seeing it. So I look forward to watching it. What I have been watching is – I have been power binge watching Hannah on Amazon Prime. It is awesome. Like it's Jason Bourne. It's a it's a spy <laughs> movie, a spy show. It's got everything. It's it's got action and a little bit of suspense and this and that. It's very interesting. It's what the movie should have been. I was gonna say, wasn't there a movie from not terribly long ago? Yeah, there was a movie from like 2011 or 2012 that didn't do great in the theaters, but then they made this show, and the show is leaps and bounds above. The and funny thing is, if it's what I feel like I remember seeing, I actually like thought it was fine. Like I like I didn't actually I don't know what people thought about it at the time or whatever, but like um, I think I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I saw it again on like an HBO or something around the time. And it's got um, a very good cast, the movie. I mean, it's got... Uh, yeah, this is definitely the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie at the time. Yeah, so I don't know. If to, I didn't kind of put two and two together. It was the uh, same thing with Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> yes. And, um, uh, and Eric Bana. And yeah, well, there, yeah, if, if Ange is like listening right now, she's like thinking in her head, well, there's Pete's boyfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> like as man crushes go, I don't know that I have a man crush on Eric Bana, but like I love to death his stuff. You've talked about it before. Like I love yes. that Munich. Um, no, you, he, he, you love Munich. Oh, man. <laughs> the one that she makes fun of me all the time about, um, and it's it's I'm going to go ahead and admit it because I don't mind is uh, the time traveler's wife, wife, <laughs> which uh, again, like probably not a book I would pick up and read, but I actually quite enjoyed the movie. <laughs> and uh, she makes fun of me. She's like, she's like time traveler's wife. Why would you watch that? And I'm like, Eric Ben is good in it. And it's about time travel. I'm there for it. <laughs> you know? But actually like the funny thing again, and like, this is like, it was, I wasn't a dad at the time when I saw that, but like now under the father thing, that movie takes on another meaning from the father perspective and like how he like travels through time and sees his daughter in, in passing and things like that. So kind of cool. So mm-hmm. uh, again, I don't know if you're into, to the romantic, co- well, it's not even a romantic comedy. It's really just like a, like a romantic sort drama. of drama. Drama. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, but I, also I like worth him a watch. Yeah. I haven't seen it in years, but I thought it was a, a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, he's great in Black Hawk Down. He's great in. Uh, you ever watched the so Dirty John? He's yeah. Dope. You know what's funny? Angie and I were watching that, and we were really into it. And we got to like the fifth or sixth episode in, and like just forgot to ever go back and watch <laughs> it again. <laughs> the first season's very good. It's with him and. Uh, Connie Britton, and then the later seasons are different people, and I didn't watch any of those. So yeah, yeah. 
Anywho. Yeah, but I could talk him all day. I mean, like <laughs> Nero in Star Trek. He's uh, Hector in Troy. I mean, yeah, he's he's got a bunch of good roles. There's actually like a meme of him playing all these different like sci-fi characters. Yes. <laughs> oh, and let us not forget a short-lived Bruce Banner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> An excellent Bruce Banner, by the way, if you ask yeah. me. All right, so um, I think let's let's plow on ahead here, and we'll take a look at our box office for February 1992. Okie dokie. So, welcome to February 1992. Um, Sadly, similarly to January, we have a smaller list of films this month. I, for some reason, thought in my head it was going to be a larger list, but um, it's not. (laughs) Um, The good news is that I feel like there's a few more recognizable titles than January, at least. So, uh, we do have that going for Mm -hmm. us. So, uh, in our number one top spot for February is, not surprisingly, Wayne's World with a February gross of $40 Number two is Fried Green Tomatoes with $32.9 million in earnings. And in the number three spot, we have The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Now, uh, <laughs> I did throw up another um, goof poll this time around, which, um, <laughs> funny enough, we actually did get a little more feedback on than the last time I did that. I think we had like four, four votes or something or maybe <laughs> one vote the first time I did like a stupid poll like that. Um, <laughs> so, so let me list the options first for those who weren't on Twitter and saw this. So the options were Wayne's World, Wayne's World, Party Time, Excellent. <laughs> now, here's the best thing. Uh, so again, perhaps unsurprisingly, Wayne's World is our featured film for the month. But I did get a kick out of the voting, which was as follows. Wayne's World, the first one, had 41.7% of the vote. Wayne's World, the second one, had 16.7%. Party Time had 167 And then there was a group that were in it for excellent at 25%. <laughs> so thank you to the 24 voters who, who played along with my dumb joke to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. 25% just voted for the word excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Um, so... Obviously, we will be doing Wayne's World. Uh, if you listen to last episode, we kind of just decided then that we'd be doing it then. So probably not a big surprise, um, given especially the other two. Uh, just Mike and I, I think we were feeling that's not what we wanted to do. And um, Wayne's World is just so great and so infinitely quotable. And um, we have a lot to talk about with it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it, it, was such a, like, it was such like a... Uh, a window of that time period too. Like it is. Was- no, I, I think in a way it like launches like a, like a comedy Renaissance of the 1990s. Like so many movies that sort of take the feel of this and, and get up and run with it, but let's not dive too far into that. We will talk about it in a minute. Okay. Let's first, cause we always get ahead of ourselves, take a look through the actual uh, rankings here this month. So again, not surprisingly Wayne's world's at number one, the next down on the list release for February is Medicine Man. Now, I think you and I 
um, chatted is, slightly about this. Um, this is the Sean Connery time. movie, I think. Yes, this is. Yeah. And um, in the beautiful and dangerous Amazon rainforest, dissimilar people must make their choices between business, science, and love. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it does some money. Um, you know, it did 28 million, 28.5 actually in, in February, it goes on to do 40. So I guess the draw there is, is you know. Um, Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lorraine Bracco is great, but this is pre-Sopranos, uh, so <laughs> not as well known then. But yeah, it's it's a movie. I thought it was about like looking for the cure for cancer or something like that. Or was that Congo? One of the other. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be Congo. Yeah, I, I, I might maybe some of this because they're there for science apparently. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, next down on the list, number five is a movie Final Analysis. Now, this sounds like something I should know, but like on first. Is this a Richard Gere movie? Is it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Richard Gere and Kim Basinger and Uma Thurman. Uma, <laughs> I'm in it for Uma. And Eric um, Roberts is the fourth list. <laughs> Eric Roberts is yeah, one of your I mean, top it sounds like a kind of like this is not necessarily what I thought it would be. I mean, kind of, I guess, if you go by the word analysis. But a psychiatrist becomes romantically involved with the sister of one of his patients, but the influence of her controlling gangster husband threatens to destroy them both. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> oh wow! What a terrible, terrible sounding <laughs> logline. Holy stromboli! Now I I'm gonna stop here because I'm sure that you would like to discuss number twelve on the list. Oh, oh man! <laughs> you seem to have a little uh, a love for it last time. I hate this movie. <laughs> number twelve on the list is the Sylvester Stallone. Classic. Sure. Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> and this is starring Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty of the Golden Girls fame. And it's basically the log line of the movie is a tough police sergeant's overbearing mother comes to visit him and begins to meddle in his life and career. And the poster has him with like a 38 special. Yeah, a little snub, yeah. <laughs> and she's got like a 357 magnum in her. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because if you didn't, I was just about to say, I do appreciate the poster for this. Uh, I remember this movie. It was so horrible. And I saw this in the theaters. And my I, as a kid, never, ever wanted to walk out in a movie. This was one of those where I'm like, I, I look at my mom like, can we go? Like, we should leave. And she's like, <laughs> we're here. Let's just stay. <laughs> it, it was- can you imagine having that response? Like, uh, like your young child, like, I don't like this movie. And then, like, as a parent, you're just like, yeah, but I got you for the next few hours. I don't know what else to do with you. Let's just hang in here. <laughs> it's February. There's nothing to do. We're staying in this terrible movie. I mean, it's even produced by Ivan Reitman, and it's still a horrible movie. Like, Wow. Like, come on, man. This is, this, it was so bad. This movie. I don't remember having a terrible opinion of it, nor necessarily a good opinion of it. I think I would have seen this again on Sunday afternoon movies is probably where I would have picked this up for the first time. And I probably would have watched it and felt it was fine then. I don't remember it so well. 
Um, number 14 on this list, however, is a movie that I used to love as a kid, um, particularly because it had a real banger of an opening theme song. Do you remember The Great Mouse Detective? I remember the title. I don't remember the banger of a song in the beginning. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's got a is, great... Uh, is this uh, one with, with the Basil of Bakersfield? Yeah, you got it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, this mouse, Basil, is basically the mouse. It's, it's like if the rescuers were Sherlock Holmes. Okay. It's basically about a mouse. It's by Disney, so it's not surprising. I'm almost surprised it doesn't seem to share the world with rescuers like because it seems like basically the same thing like the same animation Um, too yeah and um essentially it's about holmes versus moriarty (laughs) you know like they change the names although they allude to the fact in the movie that he actually lives at the same address as sherlock holmes like just like under his floors basically Mm. but he plays the violin he has the same hat he's got a watson to his homes you know like again the names are a little different um, like it's Professor Radigan instead of, um, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it, it's just, it's very funny. But um, I, as a little kid who did not necessarily know Sherlock Holmes yet, I thought this was kind of a cool character and what he was going for. So it was a good, like, lead in to actual Sherlock Holmes, uh, you know, like later on as I got a little bit older. Um, funny thing about this that I didn't realize until. I was looking at the notes is that this is a 1992 re-release specifically. Now this is the part where it gets a little sketchy in my memory. I'm not sure if I would have seen this in 1992 on like a, you know, like again, like either in the theaters or VHS release at that time, as Disney used to do with their vault and only allowing movies out at certain times. Otherwise I did look this up and I think it originally came out in something. Yeah. 1986. Um, so, you know, like I would have only been like four at that Mm. time. So I'm probably not, uh, necessarily, I mean, maybe, maybe I saw this around that time, like brand new baby brother. Maybe somebody took me to the theater even then to see it, but I'm picturing that I might've seen this in 92 on a VHS release or something like that, or possibly in the theater again. Like I just am so fuzzy on, on what movies my parents took me to see like that, but that's, that's what I'm, I'm imagining for that. Um, but yeah, uh, f- super cool theme song. <laughs> so the next February release goes all the way down to number 20. And I'm shocked that this is as low as it is. Another Lorraine Bracco movie, actually. Yeah, funny enough. <laughs> right? Radio Flyer came in at February 21st, starring Elijah Wood. I remember seeing this movie again. I may have seen this one VHS. I may have seen it theater. I think it was VHS. But I remember loving this movie. Like this was like a captivating of your imagination. Like how do you make your, you know, wagon fly? And, you know, it was just such a good movie with some really sad parts in it. I remember it was. Yeah, no, I actually remember it's supposed to be like, like pretty serious. Like um, it was heavy for a kid. Yeah. And uh, it basically the, the log line says, a father recounts the dark period of his childhood when he and his brother lived in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I, again, like the funny thing for me for this whole list today is I remember I feel like seeing a bunch of these in like afternoon movies at one point or another. And I think this was yet another one of them that would have been that. 
Um, and to be honest with you, actually, so is the next one. Number 23 on the list, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. This is a Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah film. I definitely um, saw this VHS, 100%. Yeah, yeah this was either like – like I don't know that this – I think this was another one where I'm like seeing it on the WB or something like that. Um, but I, I recall that basically um, he's like – he's like a businessman or something. And then like some like accident happens to him and he like can turn invisible. Um, yes. And then like the CIA or the FBI or something like that is hunting him down. Um, yeah. Something it, it, it vaguely in those lines. I remember, I mean, he had a bunch of kind of random movies like this that were kind of like just so, so, you know, at this mm-hmm. point in time in the, in the nineties, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's, it's, not a great movie in my opinion i i never really liked it again i saw it at you know 10 years old so maybe i have a skewed opinion on it but i wasn't i wasn't all that into it you know it was fine um so the next one is mississippi masala yeah i don't know this one at all um yeah this doesn't i mean it was only in two theaters at its opening. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just reading the uh, the log line, it, it looks like just kind of like we're already into the thick of essentially the Miramax stuff. This is a Samuel Goldwyn release, yeah. according to, to um, Box Office Mojo. But yeah, this is already kind of more like um, I don't even know if this is supposed to be a true story or not, but it, it's just talking about like an ethnic Indian family that moves to Mississippi and sues Uganda. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're into it here. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not because I see this next one on the list. I don't know what it is, but it seems like a movie that I probably should have seen when, <laughs> when I was watching these garbage movies as a kid. Number 30 on the list with a whopping take of 362,000 is called Gate 2, The Trespassers. So I'll read you this one. This one seems oh, like, like a fun one. Four teens summon forth a diminutive demonic minion from the other side, capitalized other side, to do their bidding and grant their wishes. But of course, they must all ultimately pay the price. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know if I'm assuming there's a gate one. I don't know anything about that one either. (laughs) You know, like um, it's under the, the genre of comedy, fantasy, horror. So I'm picturing this to be like the house movies in my mind. Um, where they like, you know, flip between being like cheesy, scary and like just downright stupid. Um, I I feel like you could do a whole podcast just based on wacky movies like this. And I'm sure that a movie like this has probably graced, Mm. you know, um, mystery theater 3000 or something like that. Uh, if I had to guess, um, so I have to read the next one at number (laughs) 32, a movie called falling from grace. I'm just going to read what Box Office Mojo says. You got it. Rock singer John Mellencamp makes his screen and directorial debut in this story by Lonesome Dove author Larry McMurtry. McMurtry, The story, not too separated from Mellencamp's real life, finds him as a country music star whose meanderings and phila- uh, philandering has thrown his life into turmoil, returning to his native Indiana to try to reestablish a normal life. Instead, he takes up with an old lover, ignoring his loving wife 
and duplicating his lifestyle of his womanizing father. Nice. <laughs> the fact that John Mellencamp made a movie about himself, <laughs> starring himself, directed by himself, of course, is, is incredibly self-indulgent. <laughs> and it only was in 22 theaters, and it made 50 grand. I'll tell you it's funny. One of his songs came on in the car today, and it just said John Cougar, and I'm like, well, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, some of these bottom ones, like, they're just clunkers, I think, down here. Um, this is my life, the Mambo Kings. Oh, I know Angels. the Mambo Kings. Do you? This is an Antonio Banderas movie, but I just, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it, it, I've, I saw this one probably on, like, you know, the channel 11 or late night one night back in the day or maybe when i had like a free hbo weekend preview and <laughs> do you remember when we were younger um they used to give you like a free week or so of stars stars or showtime or hbo when or- stars would do those free weeks i would sit there with, with the vhs VHS-ic with like those like um yes. six or eight hour long vhs tapes that they came out after a while and i would just like like I just like let it record and then I'd come back six hours later, let it record. And whatever I got, I got, I had no clue what was going to be on it. Like but I would sit there and watch through them. And sometimes there was good stuff, but a lot of times there was not. Yeah. <laughs> the early days of stars were not great. And now we get to the bottom two, the production company for the 36th movie is fine line features. <laughs> I've never even heard of this company before. <laughs> Where angels fear to tread. I don't know this one at all. Uh, yeah, this is. Yeah, this is like, like some sort of like it's a Helen Mirren, Helena. Yeah, this. Yeah, this is like a British film that probably you know got you know some festival play here in the U.S. or you know was licensed out to the U.S. and showed in a couple of theaters and for like your grandmother to watch. It was in two theaters in the entire United States. So I would nice. assume, yeah. Well, number 37 finishing out our list from Columbia pictures is under suspicion, making a whopping 17,698, which goes on to do 221, 295. Um, this is a Liam Neeson movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it's all that good or interesting. Uh, I know there was an under suspicion that came out like in the, like aughts, like, you know, early 2000s, Mm. somewhere in there. I don't know if it has anything to do with this or not. Um, This one says, in Brighton in 1959, disgraced cop turned private detective, Tony Aaron works largely on falsifying adulteries for use as evidence in divorce cases. He involves his wife as the fictional co-respondent for a painter, Carlo Stasio, but the pair shot dead in the hotel room. In charge of the case is Frank, Tony's ex-partner still on the Brighton force. His most likely suspects are Angeline, Stasio's mistress, who is set to inherit his house, and blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. This is the longest log line ever <laughs> in the history of mankind. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. This maybe tells you everything you need to know about it. Widest release seven theaters. So uh, this is Liam Neeson before Liam Neeson is Liam Neeson. Although, looking at his list, this is like just shortly thereafter, after uh, one of your favorites, Darkman. Yeah. Um, so he's... But- 
doing other stuff at this time, but I think this must be some just kind of it's before he's like a, a bigger household name. You know? <laughs> it's kind of funny that he came up as the bottom movie because he, I was watching uh, every Sunday. I like to watch the today show Willie Geist uh, show on Sundays. It's really, really good. And he had Liam Neeson on today as his like interview. And he talked about his career and like how he got his start in American cinema. Like his first American role was, Miami Vice. <laughs> he nice. was, and he was talking about that. And he was talking about all this stuff. It's just so funny that he popped up as the bottom movie. And now he's just like such a bankable name. It's really funny. So I don't know. I digress. All right. Well, that's our list of movies for 1992. Let us know on our socials if any of these were favorites of yours or if you have a hot take on, on any of them outside of what Michael and I were thinking. Um, in the meantime, why don't we take a look at recalling Wayne's World? Okay, so Wayne's World, again, back to what we were saying a little while ago. Um, I I think this is like a genre-defining comedy film of the 90s, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I I think so many others um, go on to, to, you know, really borrow from this. And I think in part maybe from some of the um, writer and director of this, you know, which might you know, lend itself to a few things. So let me start where we usually start. So Wayne's World is directed and written by Penelope Spheris, which is kind of a cool name. Yeah. Uh, she's an accomplished director of both features and documentaries. Among her well-known works are Suburbia, the 1993 Beverly Hillbillies movie, The Little Rascals, Black Sheep, which is why I say Black Sheep definitely feels in the vein of like a Wayne's World sort of movie, uh, and uh, The Decline of Western Civilization documentary series. Uh, Wayne's World is her most financially successful film. Thought I'd point mm. that out. Uh, screenplay I, is written by star Mike Myers and SNL writers and husband and wife team, Bonnie and Terry Turner, and is, of course, based on the characters and skits from Saturday Night Live. Film stars Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Rob Lowe, Tia Carrera, Brian Boyle, Brian Doyle Murray, and Lara Flynn Boyle, among others. I find it odd she didn't direct the sequel. It is, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll find the, the story of that out when I start doing a little bit more of my, my digging and research. But yeah, um, Bonnie and Terry Turner write Wayne's World 2. Mm. Um, but yeah, she doesn't come back to direct it, which maybe is for the worst. <laughs> um, you know, because I actually quite like Wayne World 2, but Wayne's World 2 does not hold a candle to Wayne's World, and I think in a lot of people's Agreed. Uh, minds. Um, on top of its $40 million in February, it went on to make $121 million domestically and $183 million worldwide, making it the fifth highest grossing film overall in 1992 domestically and the highest grossing SNL movie of all time, really? earning more in theaters than Coneheads, It's Pat, Stewart Saves His Family, Blues Brothers 2000, A Night at the Roxbury, Superstar, and The Ladies' Man combined, which all total to $111 million. Wow. Kind of a fun statistic I came across when <laughs> when so, digging up some of the info for it. It's funny you mentioned all these SNL movies. This is the first movie since the original Blues Brothers to be a movie that came out of an SNL skit. In a I long think time. so. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any others that I can remember off the top of my head between those two. Boneheads um, came after this, I think. It does, yeah. And as a matter of fact, um, I think I mentioned uh, that uh, she directs that. I think it's like a year or so later, yeah. a year or two later. 
Um, yes, but it does come after. Yeah, but um, and we'll you know we'll, we'll go through the story kind of uh, recall in a moment. But I one of the things that I would be remiss to go any further without saying is that I feel like I and I said it before. I feel like this was like a genre defining movie in its time. Like. Yeah. Every kid you knew could quote so much from this movie. Every kid was running around singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it was just like, it really stuck in a way. And, like, probably the funny part for me, I don't know that I was watching Saturday Night Live when Wayne's World came around. I think probably I saw I, Wayne's World before that. I, I feel like, funny I, enough for me, like, I was a mad TV kid. Like, I got mm-hmm. really into mad TV. And at the time, I don't remember who the cast at the exact time would have been um, at um, when SNL. I can probably look it up when like season one and two of Mad TV came around. But I was like all in on Mad TV. I loved it. And part of that is it was on a little bit earlier than than Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live, I think. Um, but Saturday Night Live, I, I liked it, but I wasn't like as into it as Mad TV at that time. Obviously, over a longer period of time, <laughs> Mad TV goes away and SNL still doing its thing yeah. uh, for better or worse. You know, like sometimes I think it's up and sometimes I think it's really down. Um, but like SNL's skits have just never really lent themselves to creating a full feature film. I think um, you have Lightning in a Bottle with Blues Brothers, but I think that movie lives and dies on just the chemistry and and John and you know, John yeah, and exactly and, like, and believe me, like that is one of my all time favorite favorite ever movies. So like I love that one to death. Um, but I think it, it just lives and dies on them. And I think the reason why Wayne's World is successful is the same thing. I think mm. the the chemistry between the two of them. They are just completely the most likable characters. Like it's impossible not to like Wayne and Garth. They're just right. like really fun, um, goofy pair. Um, to compare it to something like um, Night at the Roxbury, which actually out of the rest of this list is probably the only other movie I like <laughs> that I just mentioned out of that that bunch. I like um, Ladies Man. Ladies Man is not bad. Yeah, I, I I was like I liked the sketch of ladies man, but the movie was like very meh for me. Mm. Um, but, uh, I, I get a kick out of night, night at the Roxbury characters and all that. But like, you could, yeah, you could probably say the same thing for Wayne's world, but they're hard to come up with like a full narrative for, mm. you know, like, like, Oh, like it's these two guys at a club and like, they're idiots and they always dance to the same stupid song. Like, oh, well, you know, their dad has a business and like they want to run it and like they got to prove. I mean, that's just like stock standard, like, you know, Billy Madison stuff. Like that's been done and done and done. So I understand why people aren't as interested in that. Wayne's World took a funny sort of um, thing with its story where, again, like two guys in Wayne's parents' basement that really like music that put on like their own little like network uh, or – local area, uh, local access network show. Um, how do you turn that into a feature? Well, they kind of came up with a fun way to do it. And I think maybe some of the subject matter lends itself to it a little bit more. But again, mm-hmm. I think where that movie really shines is the two of them. Like just those two characters are just fun to watch doing anything. Yeah. And that's what the movie is. It's just those two characters doing anything. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just kind of like, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's just like <laughs> Beavis and Butthead kind of thing, but just not as necessarily dumb as Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. You know, it's funny about you mentioning that. I wonder who predates who, Beavis and Butthead or, or Wayne and Garth. Oh, I'm sure Wayne and Garth predate them because of the MTV 
stuff, but I don't know. I'm curious now. Because the two are like kind of scary similar. I wonder if, if Mike Judge pulled yeah, Beavis and from Wayne's World to kind of create Butthead and Beavis. They're 1993. They're 1993 is when Beavis and Butthead first appeared on television. But well, so Wayne's that. World, the movie is already out before that. So yeah, I wonder if, if Mike Judge uh, was borrowing a little from 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 them on, on that sort of thing. Not that they're like clones of each other by any stretch of the imagination, but they do share certain similarities. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. I got to look that up now. Um, so um, recalling Wayne's World. So uh, they live in Aurora, Illinois. Like I said, uh, they do their little uh, you know public uh, access show out of uh, Wayne's parents' basement, um, very heavily based off of the sketches that they did on SNL where they'd often have different music uh, stars come in or things like that. Um, very low quality production. And so where the movie, um, to my recollection, kind of um, picks up is that like they're poor. They don't really have a little lot going for them. Um, Garth, uh, sees this like amazing, like guitar. I think it's like a Stratocaster or something in a, in a window at a store and he really wants it. Um, Wayne has a girlfriend, I think Stacy that, um, he can't stand and he's like breaks up with her. He's trying to break up with her. She's kind of stalkerish. And- yeah. She's like really creepy. Like, you know, um, like she gives him like a gun rack, you know, it's like that great, like a gun rack. Uh, why would I want a gun rack? I don't own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire gun rack. You know, like, are you mental? Um, you know, uh, yeah. So like, like they're like trying to like, you know, they're just kind of doing their thing. Um, they go to like a, like a rock, like music nightclub and uh, Wayne sees Cassandra there. Um, and he's like instantly falls in love with her. Um, and so he's like trying to, you know, like get her to go out together. Um, and, uh, the next thing is, uh, they meet up with Rob Lowe's character. I can't think of his name just now. Um, who's like kind of like a sleazy um, executive sort of guy. And he, um, wants to buy their show, the rights to their show. Uh, and like, like repurpose it. Like he sees it like on like their cable access and he thinks he could do something bigger with it. I think somebody, I think his like assistant is watching it and he's like, what is this? And he's like, that's right. Yeah. She's like, Oh, these guys are so funny. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so he, he like makes them a deal to like buy the rights to their show for like something like $5,000 a piece. Some like abysmally small amount of money, which they think is like all the money in the world. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so like, uh, Wayne wants, or excuse me, Garth wants to get his guitar. And, um, the other thing too, is like, he's got like the hots for like, uh, this girl, a foxy lady at, at like the. At like the donut place um, played by Kim Basinger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think uh, where it goes from here. So, um, I mean, basically they end up going to like film like the new show, like at like this professional studio and like they're totally screwing around and like making fun of it. And um, they get like a sponsor who's like this guy that owns like this like series of like arc- he's like, a, like an arcade magnate. Yeah, he has like all these like arcades, and so he like he wants to like do this commercial, and he's like they're like totally making fun of him and everything, and it's like not working out. So Wayne gets fired, and Garth like gets left there alone by himself, and he gets like all freaked out, <laughs> like That's just great. being in front of the camera by himself. Um, 
And in the meantime, um, like he had like introduced Cassandra to a, uh, like Rob Lowe's character. And uh, he starts like trying to like steal like her, like away from Wayne. And so he like, he like tells her like, Oh, like, like bring your band and like, we'll shoot like a music video and I'm going to make you like number one. And like, this whole thing. So like Wayne starts getting really jealous and like he gets in a fight with her over that and he gets in a fight with Garth cause he like, you know, essentially ditched him on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the real down part of the movie. Um, and um, I forget exactly what happens, but the two of them like figure out like that they like, you know, can get past it and they, they decide they got to go like get Cassandra away from the guy um, and they come up with this plan where they're going to like try and get, um, this like big, um, music executive. I think his name is Mr. Sharp who like rides around the country in like a limo, mm-hmm. like trying to find talent. Like they're like, Oh, if we could like hack into his signal and like play her music, like then we would, you know, like I could win her back. Uh, and, um, you know, like we would be like all good and everything again. So like, he like tries to like get her away from the set. And at first she's reluctant, but then she like realizes how sleazy um, he's being. So she like forgives Wayne and goes with him and they like try to get like this whole thing together to get her band to play. So like this, like this big music exec will see it in his car as he's like traveling through the area and like pick it up on the satellite. Um, And of course there's all adventures to be had in like the mirth mobile and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I fell on my keys, you know, and like all these great, like amazing, wonderful um, letters throughout the whole film. (laughs) They do this little like uh, Laverne and Shirley kind of skit at one point. Yeah, there's so many great gags like that. They're just like, you know, like totally like breaking out of the continuity of the film. Um, And uh, ultimately, um, it ends up like really bad. Like, like the guy like meets up with them and he's like, Oh, you were really great, but you know, you're just not what I'm looking for right now. And she's like, Cassandra gets all upset and like breaks up with Wayne. And then like Garth like dies and he's like, no, <laughs> like, the and Louise ending at one point. Yeah. That. Well, so they, he's just like, well, that's not a happy ending. Like, let's do something different. So they, you know, like they just like, yeah, they do the Thelma and Louise ending. Uh, they just do several different endings until they come up with like the ultimate, like, like mega happy ending. Uh, like they do like a Scooby Doo thing. I yes. think at a point, like, um, and uh, they just keep redoing the endings, which is so great. And it's like, you're you're like on board this whole movie. It's so funny. It's so great. And then they get into this, and it's just like it's just totally jumped the shark. And it's so funny and so silly. Um, and basically, like the ultimate happy ending is like Cassandra gets her record deal, and like she's going to be in a relationship with Wayne, and Garth gets together with like you know, like the waitress from the the um, thing who basically is like looks like him. the woman, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think even Rob Lowe like turns into a good guy or something yeah. like that. Um, and that's Wayne's world. <laughs> yeah. If, you know, I, I assume everyone that's listening to this has seen Wayne's world, but if you haven't, and you just listen to Pete go through that, he sounds like a manic, crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. Well, really- I mean, in a way, the movie is like a little manic in like in the nature of like what it is because like half the movie is like Wayne, like like the movie, like a lot of it is fantasies of Wayne's. Well, it mind. is. It goes from essentially like this thing where it's like the Wayne's World skit, which is just the two of them like playing to like a single camera in like his basement, to like 
him just like narrating his life. And like very often, like Garth is like, who are you talking to? You know, like, you know, like, 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 like Wayne is like breaking the fourth wall, like chatting to us, the audience, you know, like did it way before Deadpool, you know, sort of thing. Um, And uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's just very silly and very funny. The humor is insane. Like it's just, it's another one of these movies and we've had a few like this, but it spawned so many things into like the lexicon, like, as you did before swing and like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean like that made it over into like the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Like, you know I mean? Like it's insane. Like where all this stuff, um, you know, goes to from there. And it's, it's just so funny how much of it became so pervasive in the early nineties culture. And frankly, there's still like bits of it, like little, like, you know, sayings and things that people used. I mean, like we're not worthy. We're not worthy. That like is something that's stuck around today. To you know what I mean? Like people still use stuff like that. Um, on a constant basis. Um, and I have several sayings from, from the movie that like, I just use randomly, you know? So, um, it's, it's very silly and very kind of timeless. I'm really curious to see, cause I haven't seen it in a number of years. Like if it holds up on, on like, you know, the whole 30 year kind of thing and the 2021 sort of thing. But, um, I don't know. I just remember it being like a very charming and, and fun and enjoyable, um, comedy. So I've, I've definitely been, been looking forward to it. And it's got good music in it too, which is another kind of nice thing. Yeah. I, you know, the music is, makes the movie between, you know, that and the characters make the movie, but what's very funny about it is Rob Lowe plays the villain in this movie and the villain in Tommy boy. That's true. Yeah. That weird? <laughs> I mean, like Rob Lowe was kind of a villain in, in his, you know, before literally he, he got on, on Parks and Rec and was doing other things. You know, he's, he's played a villain quite a lot of times throughout his uh, career, his yes, career. Yeah, for sure. So, do we want to dive into these trailers? Cause you put two. I did. Trailers. So we have something new for this episode. And I hope that this first one comes as a little bit of a surprise for you. Um, when I was digging the trailers up, I found this one and I had completely forgotten about this as a thing, but then I absolutely remembered having seen it in the theaters. Um, so I won't say anything more than that for now, but I'll follow up with it after. So, okay. um, we do have two trailers, so we'll cue this first one up. We'll watch that. This one's shorter than the second one. Uh, and then we'll go and watch the, the second one afterwards. But uh, let me know when you're ready. I am ready. Cue me up whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. Paramount Pictures. <laughs> We've had a lot of Paramount lately. We have, yes. It seems like a horror movie to start out the trailer. We're in a cemetery and... There is Adam's family. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> so, like Wayne and Garth are on a couch. They're in like a cemetery, and yeah, they're doing the like Adam's family snapping theme. So they basically describe it a little bit here as they're going, and I'll just talk over them a bit. But uh, this was the very first trailer for Wayne's World. Um, And basically what they're saying in the trailer is like, oh, you were expecting Adam's family. Well, we're making a movie too. And this (laughs) exclusively played in front of Adam's family. This is the only time this trailer played. So funny enough, when I was a kid and saw Adam's family in the theaters, 
I remember seeing this trailer for Wayne's World at the time. So this was like a total blast from the past, like seeing this uh, trailer it, again. It, so. This is very meta, and it is uh, one of those very like break the fourth wall kind of. To- it's perfect. Know. I mean, it's so perfect for what Wayne's World is that they would yeah. like jump on the ship of a, like for the first movie that they're going to show this trailer in front of. Instead of just doing a stock standard trailer, that they would like do something like where they're in the world of the movie you're about to see. Yeah. I love that. That's so fun. It's hilarious. I love it. That's so, pretty good. Uh, I might try to see if I can post a, a link to that um, so everybody can check that out. Otherwise, it's definitely available over on YouTube. So check that out. It's kind of a fun, nostalgic jump back. So uh, let's queue up the I'm ready actual for the- full um, Wayne's World trailer. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. A lot of green screen there. Okay, <laughs> surprisingly, again. <laughs> it starts with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. No kidding. <laughs> wow, I forgot about that. Is the Mur- Mirth Mobile? I love that car. Now I don't remember if it's this movie or the second movie that it like transforms. <laughs> like, I becomes think, a limo. I think it's this. Whichever one that he marries Tia Carrera in. I think it's it the second one. Yeah. <laughs> Extreme. Oh yeah, his girlfriend. Yes. It's Roblo's girlfriend. Yes. There's now, so this guy he's talking to. This is the guy that's like the like uh, Mr. Big or whatever. Well, no, he's like the like the video game oh, like, right. arcade that's magnate cool. guy. No. There's. <laughs> he's wearing her underwear. I forgot about this. Oh man. I love the product placement stuff throughout this oh, too. There's, there's so, so much about it. Yeah. Oh. Hilarious. Every time you see this one incredible woman, you think you're Maybe Kim Basinger's in the second one. It might be. Yeah, I was trying to remember who's in the first. I can't think of who that, that character is. You spew. <laughs> I use that Wayne gif all the time with the two oh, thumbs you up. You do use that a lot. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. There's no film in this camera. Oh yeah, look at the hockey. The hockey thing. Car. Game on. Yes. <laughs> like me growing up with my friends playing hockey in the middle of the street. We used to do that all the time. Oh yeah. We saw this movie. Everybody did that. That's so funny. Oh man. It's so funny that like that you know that the history of this movie like they didn't want to use Bohemian Rhapsody in this movie. Like the studio was like fighting him and and. Mike Myers was like, I won't make this movie if we don't use Bohemian Rhapsody in this film. And he fought tooth and nail to get it. He's like, I want to have this thing in the movie and and do the entire song. And people didn't want to do it, but they finally caved and let him do it, which is hilarious. Look at you with the fun facts. That's usually my whole thing, but look at uh, you go. <laughs> I've got a handful here and there. Every once in a while, I pull something out. So. Now, the other funny thing I'd be remiss not to mention about this, just because I was reminded of it earlier today, um, and we've talked about this on a couple of occasions with with movies that we did with Hook and things like that. There was a couple of Wayne's World video games. Did you ever see or play these? This would have been for Nintendo and Super Nintendo. No. No. Let me just say these games were hot, hot, hot garbage. (laughs) They were so, so bad, so hard, as was like a lot of games at the time. 
but um, they were just like complete, complete trash, especially the Nintendo game. Um, the Super Nintendo game at least had a little bit more likeness to them and a little bit more of the, you know, I guess some of the themes of it or whatever, but um, they were terrible. If you want to laugh, um, go look up Angry Video Game Nerd. He did a, a great retrospective on on these games. And, like, it's, it's just like, ugh. But, like, it is funny because as we were sort of talking about before, like, if SNL has a hard time making a successful movie, imagine an SNL-based video game. Like, what is just the pits? It's just yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and, they're and just like, bad. This seems like the least wouldn't be very likely to make a video. I mean, like I could see blues brothers. Cause it's kind of an adventure story in a way, but this, I don't, I don't know. Wow. Man, everyone wanted marketing and money. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess, but I am super excited to rewatch this film and to talk about it. And it's my turn to get the notes done for this thing. So we'll see how that's going to play out. Yeah, it's like I've been feeling these past few months how you were feeling mid-year last year with the three-month-in-a-row notes thing. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, it could be just, you know, stream of consciousness sort of farting out my ideas so I can come up with whatever I could say. But I'm looking forward to talking about it and and, and re-watching it because it is one of those movies that, like, I feel like it's going to hold up. Like, it's just going to stand the test of time and still be funny to this day. Now, here's a thing that, again, I, I kind of came across and it reminded me because I think I actually had this. And I'm curious if you remember this at all. Do you remember McDonald's giving out Wayne's World on VHS? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't remember what the deal was, how you had to get it. But there was a promo that McDonald's did back probably around 92. I don't think it was obviously because, you know, we've talked about it before that it took a while for VHSs to come out. Mm -hmm. um, but M McDonald's did a promo where they had like a couple of different like movies. I think that they were like giving out if you bought a certain amount of something or if you, I don't know. I don't, I, I got to try and look it up now and see if I can find the actual facts for it. But it's just another thing that came into my mind while I was thinking about these movie. Um, that, yeah, like McDonald's did a weird thing where they were like giving this movie out as like a promo item. So um, and funny enough, as I'm like Googling for it now, it's, they're showing up on, um, eBay. You can find the McDonald's version of, of, uh, of it, it says 93 of so Wayne's world. <laughs> that is so nineties. <laughs> so nineties. I, but I kind of wish that like you could go into like a McDonald's or like a Wendy's now and get like a DVD or something like that's kind of a cool promo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not not the worst idea I've ever seen. It's not the greatest, but it's you know better than some of the Happy Meals the kids get these days. And I'm like, what is this? This is not a good Happy Meal anymore. <laughs> crap for these kids. Oh goodness gracious! So, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for this movie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to rewatching it and talking about it and just having I have it oh my god let, let me let me give you this YouTube video while while we're still here um, because I'm like searching a little bit in the background so I found a promo on YouTube that was talking about the VHSs that you could get at McDonald's so it, I think it's basically celebrating Wayne's World 2 coming out so what they had for offer is if you bought a hamburger for $5.99 extra you could get a VHS copy of Charlotte's Web Ghost Wayne's World or the Adams Family wow 
that's that's some deep Google in there. I'm re- I'm queued up. I'm ready when you are. Oh, you can. I'm just like I actually just had it through, so you can you can feel free to it's to give it a little watch. I'll, I'll put it on here for the for the crowd, or maybe I'll send a link. Out. Oh yes, they recall. I remember this. Doesn't this spark something in your head? <laughs> yes. And basically, what they were doing, according to this, is that um, funny enough. Adam's Family Values and Wayne's World 2 were coming out in the holiday season. So to celebrate it, they did this VHS deal where you could essentially get a copy of the tape. Not available in all restaurants. <laughs> but wow. $5.99 when you buy any large sandwich, you could get a copy of those VHS tapes. I am like 80% sure I had a copy of Wayne's World from this offer. I'd have to like go to my parents' house and dig through the VHSs to see if I still have it, but I'm pretty sure that's where I got it from. I have to say, seeing that that list of movies, I either got that or Adam's Family from from this deal. I mean, like, conceivably, you could probably end up getting a few of them if they if they had you know the copies yeah. of them or whatever. It, it feels like it's very possible that that's the case that I probably had it. I think it's funny Charlotte's Web and and Ghost as the uh, the other ones. I guess Charlotte's Web for you know the younger <laughs> younger kid crowd. Um, but it's funny they're supplementing those two in, especially if this is a Wayne's World two and Adam's Family Values promo. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. It's also funny that those two movies kind of parallel each other in timing. The fact that like Wayne's World sort of paired up with Adam's Family to release his trailer, then those two are coming around around the same time. I guess in '93, yeah. uh, end of '93, to uh, to do this uh, deal with them too. So there's a funny little retro find for you. <laughs> that is pretty retro, pretty cool, and and surprising. So, again, let us know on our socials if you um, out there in retro land um, have a copy of the McDonald's VHSs for those um, releases, or if you would have taken up on this offer in the early '90s. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's wrap this baby up. Um, now, this is the part where we usually do the big movie quiz, and we can do that. But I told you last month I was going to look for the comedy deck. And, and you did not. I didn't even look for it. Not that I didn't find <laughs> it. I didn't even look for it. Give a second. Let me look and see if I can find it really I, quick. I mean, it is Oscar month. We could do an Oscar one. I'm, I'm terrible at those. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I do like the Oscar month. So I'll leave it up to you. We can either do comedy classics, which I just did somehow dig out um, without too much trouble somehow, or we can do Oscars, which I know is typically the, the trickier. I would, the two. I would say dealer's choice. Um, let's do comedy. I feel like those we, uh, Okay. Uh, you know what? No, I'm going to go back. I'm going to use your thing and do Oscars because I feel like there's less opportunity for us to do the Oscars one than than comedies. And um, as you say, the timing is right. So we'll make up for it in a good comedy movie. All right. So this is um, – we'll do best of six and this is like where like Michael's like sweating bullets, just oh. pouring off his head. Um, and we're going to see if we can get uh, a couple, couple right answers out here. In total – how many Academy Awards for Best Actress did Katherine Hepburn win? Big Katherine Hepburn fan? Oh, yes. <laughs> Going deep, way back. <laughs> deep, deep, deeply rooted in the Katherine Hepburn. Uh, I'm going to say two. I mean, I guess you could just throw out a random number there and see if it sticks. Uh, the answer is actually four. Really? Yes. So wow. good for her. That's That's quite a few. All right. Which ceremony host announced that he would give a jet ski to whoever gave the shortest acceptance speech of the night? Oh, uh, this is semi-recent times, I think. 
It's either Rick. I want to say Ricky Gervais. Mm, we'll take a second guess. I mean, my other guess was like 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 Chris Rock, Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see his opening skit, so I, I didn't know. How many Academy Awards did Titanic win? Oh, oh man. Um... <laughs> don't don't do that. No one wants to hear that. Uh, for some yeah, reason, every for, night Michael tries to think of the answer. For some reason, eleven can. six in my head. Eleven is the answer. Good for you. All right, so we're one for three so far. I think it was actually the singing that helped. <laughs> that might have made it worse. <laughs> With which film did Morgan Freeman win his first Academy Award? Shawshank. Million Dollar Baby. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, he was long snubbed. <laughs> That's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. All right. In what year? This is this should be like uh, hopefully a, a no brainer for you. All right. Given mm. this podcast. In what year did Silence of the Lambs win an Academy Award for Best Picture? 91. Mm, think about your math. <laughs> Wait, when did we start this podcast? Well, we started it in 90, but we did Silence of the Lambs like not too far from this time last year. Okay, so I guess it was 90, 1990? <laughs> 1992, you goon. <laughs> well, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, oh so it won this. Oh, okay. Because we, cause we I watched it. I couldn't even it. help you with that one. <laughs> watched it in 91. I'm like, I don't know. All right. Man, I was trying to serve up a softball for that one. That was horrible. Yeah. All right. Which actress won an Academy Award for her role in Girl Interrupted? Oh, uh, uh, Angelina Jolie. You got it. All right. So we're. What is two, that? two out of six. Two out of six. Let's throw another one in here. All right. All right. Before winning an Academy Award in 2016, how many times was Leonardo DiCaprio nominated? Oof. This deck is brutal. This is hard. <laughs> you man. have to be like a Oscars expert to answer these questions. Yeah. I'm gonna. Oh man. I feel like for the action and comedy movies, you just need to have seen some action and comedy movies. This, you like need to be like a actual person who like. I'm putting all this to permanent memory. <laughs> I want to say he was nominated five times. Five is the answer. Wow. That was a lot all of right. guesses. We're, so, we're, we're raising the bell curve here. One okay, more. so three out, of, three out of seven. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go for four out of eight. Here we go. That wouldn't be too bad. That'd be a 50%. That's not yeah. so bad for the Oscar quiz. What was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture? For Best Picture? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'll give you a hint. It's definitely a lot more recent, and it is a Disney movie. And it might be from this year that we're dealing with. Oh, wow. Um, we opted not to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <I'm>, man, this, this is tough. It's going to be either like Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin Beauty and the Beast it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Toy Story, but Toy Story is newer. Yeah, no, that's 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 probably first. I don't know if that – because it it's probably predates the um, – The Pixar stuff. Yeah. Well, well, I mean it is Pixar, but I mean predating the um, creation of the category for a – I don't know. Is that – I guess they just do best animated. I guess it's not really best 
digitally animated, animated or whatever. I guess it was just best animated, but essentially before like every single year, best animated was a 3d movie. Yeah. So there's our big movie quiz. All right. So I'll, I'll say I got three and a half yeah. <laughs> out of eight. Fair <laughs> enough. So first of all, you know, we want to thank Mickey and Jason from the retro network for hosting us and giving us a platform to talk about movies and, get to watch Wayne's world and talk about it for God's <laughs> sakes. Who would have thought, right? That's crazy. You know, we, we appreciate you guys so much. We, we love the community. You guys should check out other shows. You could check out my other show, wizards, the podcast guide to comics, as well as like, you know, all the other, other retro stuff. There's if you, there's stuff for wrestling, you name it. There's all kinds of great stuff on there. Um, super cool group of people and you can even join and us not for nothing, even outside of the podcast lots of great articles being written over on the retro network website so um very often they end up being um, supplementary um to what we're talking about over on the show here especially if you're looking for stuff like january 1992 they just had a great article on um, one of the ongoing sort of articles that's over on the site there's friday flicks by pitfall gary and um he had some of the 1992 January movies that we were mentioning simultaneously on the podcast. So again, worthwhile um, popping over. He had a lot more info on cuffs than, than we did. <laughs> so it's definitely worth um, checking out because uh, fills in certainly some of the gaps that we had in, in ours and, and vice versa. So pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And if you'd like to chat with us, you know, about our show, about things we could talk about on the show, you could hit us up on social media. It's box office three zero on Facebook and Twitter and box office T H I R T Y on Instagram. We definitely get the most traffic on our Twitter page. Pete is much more active on it than I am. <laughs> I give an occasional thumbs up or a well, like. Just to say, like, <laughs> not really active at all. <laughs> like, like I try to, to make posts when the show comes out and I'm definitely like, hot garbage at social media. I just don't have the patience to sit. And for, here's the thing. A few years ago when I was trying to promote my photography work, I was doing like all the keywording and like, you know, hashtags, all this. I've just like gotten so lazy and like don't care about it now. So I, I keep the bare minimum possible presence over there because I do like to hear back from people and, and you nice people do come and write to us. Uh, but usually that's when you see me posting is if somebody comes along, I try and chat back <laughs> uh, with that. But um, I'm much more awful than folks like Adam and others that are like constantly posting all sorts of really unique and interesting things in relation to their show. I'm like, you know, I post when the show's out and maybe a little extra thing or two here. Or there. <laughs> but do join us over there because I do like to get the chats going. <laughs> and if this is your first time hearing the podcast because you love Wayne's World and you just wanted to hear a podcast about it, you should go to our website, boxoffice30.com, and see our entire catalog of episodes that go, what are we now in? This is number 40, sir. Episode 40. (laughs) Is this including the bonus episodes, episode 40? I don't know. I kind of like get funny with that. Officially, we've had like 40 full-length episodes. You can also kind of say 41-ish. I don't know. We renumbered it at a point, and I kind of got screwy with it. But I'm calling this episode number 40. Okay, great. So we got 39 other episodes to check out. A lot of great content, some really great guests, some great movies. We've got a great chock-full of year of movies coming up that's going to be wild. I was just looking through and like, 
every month has got some bangers going forward, which I'm pretty pumped for. Yeah, I don't know if the general lists keep getting better or not than where we're at. I mean, certainly, like I mentioned to you, December has the most insane list I think I've ever seen in my life. But there's definitely some really, really cool movies. I just cannot wait to to sink our teeth into in reviews. Yeah. So also go to our Tee Public store if you want to get some sweet merch. It's cold out there, guys. The <laughs> Omicron numbers are dropping, but your mask should still be on as far as the CDC is concerned, <laughs> yes. friends. Or so if go you just- get a box office 30 mask. <laughs> <laughs> or get a hoodie. It's cold. It's 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 like 20 degrees out today. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was I was really chilly today. But listen, as always, you know, thanks so much for listening and tuning into us and listen to us babble on for an hour and a half. It was <laughs> super fun, and we enjoy having you listen to us. That's it for us this time, friends. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Swing! 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 ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>